Welcome into the Power Alley. I'm your host, Pat Melicaro. If you're familiar with the podcast, this is where each month we'll give you the latest news and notes on the Buffalo Bisons and also check in with the players and front office personnel that help make the team tick. This month on the Power Alley, we'll check back on the month of May as it was another up and down month for the Buffalo Bisons as the AAA affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays went out of the division for the first time. We'll hear some of the highlights coming up later on in addition to my conversation with International League President Randy Mobley. The IL president was in town in May to check in on the Bisons. We'll have that conversation where we talk about many different subjects, including the pace of play rules in the International League and AAA baseball, and also how the new baseball has impacted the IL and PCL this season. We'll also hear about the AAA All-Star Game, as fan voting is currently underway for the next couple of weeks, and we want you to check out Bisons.com to vote for your Bisons representatives today and also find out about a great new partner where you can not only watch the AAA All-Star Game, but also the AAA National Championship. But first, Reese McGuire is with the Buffalo Bisons for the second straight season. Last year, he was a catching tandem with Danny Jansen, as the two were really the stalwarts behind the plate, helping work with the pitching staff. I caught up with Reese and had a chance to check in for the first time this season. How have you felt this season so far as a whole gone for you? Uh, I feel the progression has been nice. Uh, starting to feel good at the, at the plate, um, behind the dish, working with the pitchers, starting to see guys get uh, you know four, five, six times around, working with them. Um, people got things they're working on, and, and it's carrying over into the game. So kind of all around as a whole, like we're, we keep st- taking steps in the right direction, so that's a good sign. Um, and yeah, busy season. I mean, we got a couple doubleheaders coming up uh, from earlier on in the in the year, but uh, yeah, all around good. I feel like Sean Morimondo has been, pitched so much better than his record this year. He throws seven and a third last night, no decision. Everyone has one of those guys, but do you feel for someone like that behind the plate? Yeah, definitely because he's just a, he's just a worker. He's he's always looking for ways to get better. Um, we actually were watching video earlier today when we first got to the field on a couple of his curveballs yesterday. Um, we're just being meticulous with our work. Uh, he he was dominant yesterday using using all of his pitches, um, and we're just trying to you know get get a little step better each day with whatever we can. So. Um, I think that's going to be something as we move forward, just continue to review uh, starters, review relievers, the way they attack, the way they're, they're throwing their stuff, and uh, that's just a way that we can get better. Correct me if I'm wrong, but last year you and Danny really took the lead on pitcher meetings and the scouting reports and things like that. Has that continued this year? Yeah, I mean, uh, Doug kind of gives us the floor, uh, me, Pat, and uh, Dela Cruz, and um, yeah, I mean, he, he's definitely got all, all of his uh, numbers and statistics on the on the opposing team. So that's stuff that we all we all like to see and like to hear, kind of figure out based on that certain attack plans. Um, but also, we've also played against some of these guys either you know in the last years or just our whole careers in the minor leagues as we move up. But uh, yeah, that's always nice because I think a lot of the pitchers as well get put their insight in, and uh, it's just kind of a collective meeting about what we all think. When you get a new pitcher like uh, Joey Polito just joins the team today, what are the types of things you maybe talk to him about before uh, before he throws for the first time here at AAA? Uh, I'll probably go up to him and just figure out what he what he likes to throw. Um, if he likes to backdoor certain things to to the hitters, um, you know what's what's his best pitch, what's his best secondary pitch. Um, does he like to elevate? Uh, you know, do you like to? Uh, 
slide step with runners on base or are you good with holding runners on um kind of go over some signs at second base like what he might be comfortable using or what he's used in the past just kind of like get to know him as a pitcher real quick as fast as you can and then um I feel like once you're out there and you start to see the pitches and the shapes of them, you can kind of put together your own attack plan based on that because you'll see kind of what, okay, this pitch will do this. Um, you know, he's getting this one over for a secondary pitch. So, yeah, it's just kind of figuring him out as soon as you can. I remember talking to Justin Schaefer recently, and he talked about how the comfort level with yourself behind the plate, and when you lay down a sign, he knows it's in his best interest. Is that a point of pride of yours? Yeah, absolutely. I take I take a, lot, a ton of pride in my defense and, and especially game calling. Um, but I think that's just the goes back to the communication with the pitchers. Uh, you develop that relationship, that trust. Where me and Schaefer were talking earlier on in the year about certain ways we could strike more guys out because uh, he's got those swing and miss type pitches and he's got uh, you know electric fastball that he can throw up any count. Um, so I think it was just that communication early on where we got on the same page and we figured out kind of how we want to use his weapons and um and then so yeah once you go down the field it just translate where whatever signals going down he's got the confidence in it and and belief that we're both on the same page for yourself at the plate this year now year two here in triple a are the things you took from maybe your early season struggles last year that you've applied this season yeah definitely i mean I, i think each year you're hoping to continue to take steps in the right direction so a ton to kind of review and learn on from last year as well as uh just constant adjustments going into this year um that's that's baseball it's just constantly making adjustments and uh yeah i mean reviewing videos uh seeing numbers things like that like just we have so many resources nowadays that you don't want to overload yourself but you definitely want to dig in and, and and see what you can get out of it remember last year you and i talked and you mentioned how being a 40-man guy for the first time was something new to you and now moving into this season having spent time in the big leagues last year does the confidence in the Blue Jays' um, faith in you give you confidence here at this level now in year two? Yeah, um, I, th- I think being on the 40 man is obviously it's good because, you know, anything can happen. You're, you're kind of a, an option basically for them. Uh, so for me, it's just going out there and just trying to do anything I can to continue to get better. Um, obviously, uh, hitting and defense, like, they go hand in hand, so making sure I'm taking care of both sides of the the game, and um, it's just exciting because I, I feel like I'm I'm getting really close, and uh, for me, like I, I feel more ready than ever, especially this year. Um, like if I was to talk in April, I, I still was probably trying to get my my feet wet as far as the season goes and get into the swing of things, and now I just feel like the routines are are, lot, are dialed in more and. Uh, the reviewing is, is dialed in more and I just think all around like this is kind of like where I would want to be confidence wise as well so um, each day is an exciting day for me because I feel like I got an opportunity to to show scouts or show the organization you know that uh, I'm a guy that is probably pretty close to ready so and how about your relationship with Patrick Cantwell you guys were teammates two years ago right in New Hampshire so you had that familiarity coming into this year yeah no he's Correct, man. He's a uh, he's a hard worker. He um, is always looking to get better. He's always looking to challenge guys, especially pitchers, um, to to be better. And um, he's he's a guy that'll hold people accountable. Good leader. Um, I, I've I've really respected him and uh, really enjoyed uh, working together with him because 
Um, we seem to have the similar mindsets on certain pitchers, the way we like to use their pitches. And he's been really well for me earlier on, too, like when he was catching some of the day games, uh, whatever starter or reliever he would catch. I think earlier on I didn't get to catch a couple guys, and so we were just feeding each other information on what he saw that he liked, what worked well, or what uh, he need, you know a certain guy needs to do to be successful. So we were just kind of working hand-in-hand, hand and uh, I've enjoyed my time with him for sure. Our thanks once again to Reese McGuire for joining us here in the Power Alley. In the month of May, the Bisons went 12-15, and 15, and for the first time in 2019, they left the International League's Northern Division. Not before beginning the month in a big way. As we look back at the month of May, the Herd began with a series against Pawtucket, followed by three games at home against Lehigh Valley. And with Ryan Fearbend in the mound, in Game 1 of a doubleheader on May the 2nd, the Bisons broke out in a big way for a 10-1 win over the Pawtucket Red Sox. The 3-2 is walloped down the left field line. Looking up is Alford. Home run for Eduardo Nunez as he goes three quarters up the way of the screen over left field. And it's a 1-0 Paw Sox lead. The 1-0 to Biggio is pulled to the second baseman. Tobias will go to second for one. The turn back to first is not in time. Scoring on the play is Jonathan Davis. And this game is tied one apiece. Long pause. Now the 0-2. Arena pops it up into right field. Castillo camping underneath, a couple of steps to his right, makes the catch, tagging is Patterson. The throw comes into second, so the sacrifice fly off the bat of Richard Arena gives the Bisons a 2-1 lead. And this one is swung on and blasted out toward left field. Travis going back, he's on the track, and it's gone! Travis got to the track, backed up a couple steps, looked like he was going to try and reach up and catch it and ran out of room. Third home run of the season for Anthony Alford, and the Bisons lead it 3-1 here in the fourth. Again, the payoff pitch, and that one is hammered high and deep to right. Forget about that one. Castillo's not even going to turn around. That ball is way out of here on the berm in right center. Second home run of the inning, and the Bisons lead it 4-1 here in the fourth. 0-2 is swung on and driven out towards center field and deep. Hernandez going back. He's at the track, and he jumps, and he's not going to get it. It's off the top of the wall. Rounding third and heading for home is Davis. He's going to score. Patterson's going to try for three. Here's the relay. Not in time. A triple off the top of the wall in deep left center field. Just out of the reach of Gorky's Hernandez. And Patterson knocks in another run for the Bisons here in the fourth. It's 5-1 Buffalo. 3-1 toss. is hit in the air to center field. Racing back is Hernandez. On the run, reaches up. It's over his head for extra bases. Both runs coming to the plate as Patterson goes to the stop sign, but he'll follow Davis. It's a two-run double off the bat of Lourdes Goriel Jr. and an 8-1 Bisons lead. 3-1 is hitting the air to right field. This could be trouble. Castillo going back, looks up. Home run! Kevin Biggio goes to the Power Alley Pub. A two-run shot makes it a double-digit score for the Herd. 10-1 here in the sixth. That was game one of a doubleheader. So the Bison scoring 10 runs in seven innings, in six at-bats even, for a 10-1 victory over the Paw Sox. They would split that doubleheader with Pawtucket, dropping game two by a final of 6-5. to five. And then Lehigh Valley came to town. The Bisons would take a win against the Iron Pigs on the finale of this series. Buffalo would go outside the International League North for the first time. They would head down to the Southern Division, taking on Gwinnett and Norfolk, what was supposed to be a six-game series turned into a quick five-game set as Buffalo took two out of three from the Stripers, including a Connor Fisk victory in the 9-6 win in the opening game of the road trip. They would then take the Kids' Day special on May the 9th as Sean Moramondo picked up the win against Tuki Toussaint, 
who has been up and down from the big leagues this season. The Bison scoring seven runs against Gwinnett that day, taking two out of three at Coray Field. And then they would go to Norfolk, where they would play just two of the three scheduled games thanks to inclement weather in Hampton Roads. The Tides would take game one by a score of 4-1 as Sean Reed Foley suffered the defeat. But then, once again, Ryan Fearbend did just enough for the herd as they collected an 8-5 win against the Tides in what was supposed to be a doubleheader. Just one game was played before Buffalo returned home. Then they welcomed in Gwinnett and Louisville. As Buffalo finished up the season series with the Stripers, Gwinnett actually took all three games against the Bisons, May 14th, 15th, and 16th. But one of the wildest wins you will ever see came on the first night against Louisville, May 17th, with Kevin Biggio collecting a base hit. He would double the right field to begin the ninth. A throwing error by the pitcher, Bass, trying to pick him off at second, would advance Biggio to third, and then chaos broke loose at the plate as Biggio would walk off winners. As the pitch is off the glove, and it goes all the way to the Bison's dugout, and jogging home is Kevin Biggio. He will score. There was no attempt by the Bats. Buffalo oh. wins at 7-6. Unbelievable. He crossed him up. He must have crossed him up because that ball just ricocheted off his glove and trickled right into the dugout. He must have crossed him. Either. Yeah, he had to have. Unbelievable. Biggio doubled to lead off the inning. An error moved him to third. And he scores without having to be moved over on a base hit. 7-6. Buffalo wins it. All told, a 7-6 win for the Bisons on what would be a pass ball against former Bison Juan Gratterall, who had the ball tip off his glove. It stayed in the field of play, but Biggio was able to jog home as nobody on the infield even moved. It was almost a foregone conclusion that Biggio would score, and it gave Buffalo the 7-6 win. After the series against Louisville, Buffalo enjoyed an off day and then went back on the road. Took on Rochester for three games, which included a three-hour rain delay in the finale of the series May 23rd. Sean Reed Foley and the Bisons waited around three hours. What was a scheduled 11.05 first pitch turned into a 2.05 start time, and Reed Foley was dominant as Buffalo would collect the 4-3 win. After making it to Lehigh Valley for the following night, Buffalo thumped the Iron Pigs 15-8. Not only would Buffalo score a season high in runs, but also collected a season high 19 hits. 1-0. Line down the right field side. That'll fall in for a base hit off the bat of Brito. Rounding third and scoring is Alford. Muttering into second base is Socrates Brito. Two batters, two doubles, and the Buffalo Bisons take an early 1-0 lead. As Visa's pitch is lined out to left. That's in there for a base hit. Brito will test the arm of the left fielder Robinson, who drops the ball. Scoring is Brito, an RBI base hit off the bat of Teoscar Hernandez, and the Bisons have a 2-0 lead with nobody out in the first. The 1-0 is hit out in the air to right field. This could be trouble. Going back is Adams, looks up, home run! Allen Hansen, a three-run homer over the right field wall, and the Bisons have struck for five runs here in the top of the first. Patterson at first, Brito at third, the pitch to Burns. Hit back through the middle and into center field, a base hit. Patterson trying to go station to station. Now he heads to third. The throw comes in, and it comes out of the glove of Tomshay. Patterson is safe. If Damek Tomshay holds onto the baseball, he is out by a country mile. Instead, Patterson's gamble pays off. An RBI base hit off the bat of Andy Burns. Single into center field. It's now 6-1 Hurd here in the second. 
McGuire lines one out to right field. This is rising quickly. That is a home run. Over the right field wall. Reese McGuire with a line drive homer, his first of the season. It's now 7-5 Buffalo, only in the third. He pulls one through the left side, a base hit. One run is home. Robinson comes up throwing. Here comes Brito. The throw is offline. He scores. Two runs are in as Andy Burns slides into second. It's a 9-6 Buffalo lead here in the sixth. Bison's a run away from tying their season high as Hanson lofts one out to right. Going back is the right fielder Adams at the wall. Home run! Allen Hanson's second three-run homer of the game. It's 12-6 Bison's here in the sixth. 2-1 pitch. Hit out in the air to left field. This is trouble. Robinson going back at the wall. Home run! Jordan Patterson, a two-run homer, and it's now 14-7 Buffalo with the eighth. Another 0-2 pitch. Swung on and hit to center field. Falling quickly, cutting over his Canelo. He plays that out of bounds. Rounding third and scoring is Allen Hansen. A double off the bat of Reese McGuire makes it 15-7 Buffalo here in the eighth. After finishing off the road trip with a split against the Iron Pigs, Buffalo would return home, closing out the month with three games against Syracuse. Even though the Herd lost 16-2 in the opening game of the set, May the 28th, it was Jordan Patterson, the left-hander, who was actually a pitcher in high school, who would gather much of the headlines as he would collect a strikeout in his first-ever pitching performance. They would win the following night, but then drop the final two games of the month, one to Syracuse on School Kids Day, and then beginning their road trip in Rochester, closing out the month of May with a 5-4 loss. Again, the Bisons going 12-15 in the month of May. Outside the Northern Division, the Herd just 5-6 as they enter their next road trip on June 11th. They'll play a three-game set at Indianapolis, followed by their final series of the year against the Louisville Bats, as Buffalo will play three different start times at Louisville Slugger Field, June 14th at 7 o'clock, the 15th at 6.30, and then getaway day on Sunday, Father's Day, June 16th, gets underway at 2 o'clock. Buffalo will then have their final off day of the month on Monday, June 17th, and then it's a 20-game sprint to the All-Star break. Buffalo will cross the halfway point on their next homestand coming up where they welcome in the I-Tribe for a three-game set, followed by the Norfolk Tides for four, and then Buffalo goes back to divisional play. Quick two-game series in Pawtucket on June 24th and 25th. Night contest in Scranton-Wilkesbury the next two nights as well as Buffalo will take on the Rail Riders at 7.05 on June 26th, and then a doubleheader which could not be played in downtown Buffalo will get underway at 5.05 before Buffalo returns home taking on the Syracuse Mets for a three-game set, closing out the month, leading us up to the big Independence Eve celebration with the Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestra. The 25th annual will take place on Wednesday, July 3rd at 6.05 against the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Hope you enjoyed the recap of the month of May and setting the scene for the rest of the month of June. Now it's time for my conversation with International League President Randy Mobley. Thank you. It's good to be here. You know, I didn't make it in at all last year, so I've had it on my calendar. I wanted to get in as early as possible this year, so I'm glad to be here. I'm glad the weather's cooperating somewhat. We have some sunshine, and it's been uh, better than expected, I think, the last couple of days. So you're getting to see some of our best weather. There you go. I, uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a tough start again, uh, and it's not just been in any particular region of the league. It's been throughout, so uh, 
we're anxious for uh, the second half of May to see what happens. And that's especially important for some of our great prospects that we have in this league. We saw Austin Riley last night. He's going to the big leagues. These guys want their chance to shine. So even though we had some inclement weather to early start the season, uh, these players are performing very well. They are, and it has worked well for a number of them have uh, been here and now gone. Uh, we wish them the best, obviously, and uh, it's, it's one of those aspects that makes AAA baseball so unique and so fun, you know, that I knew them win feeling, and you see them uh, performing here on uh, one night, and you see them per- performing in Toronto the next night. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr., another one of those prospects, finally hit his first two home runs. And then guys like Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette, who we talked about a lot last year in the Eastern League, and it's fun to see them now here in AAA. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're actually, the fans are become engaged in that process. And again, that's what's so, uh, so fun and so unique about this level. And I think that's one of the things that, in a good way, social media has enhanced the uh, availability of seeing players' prospects in a lot of the great promotions that teams might put out throughout the course of a year. No question about it. Uh, that is one of the, uh, the very positive aspects of social media. Randy Mobley joins us here, the International League president, as he makes a trip through Buffalo. I wanted to ask you about the new pace of play rules this year, and they continue to re- be refined and, and fine-tuned. How have you thought maybe the reduced mound visits and, and some of the other rules ha- have worked out? Well, things have worked out uh, well in that area. Uh, you know, it's all centered around the implementation of the pitch clock five years ago. Uh, that has performed as we had hoped and has allowed us to eliminate uh, a lot of the dead time. Uh, the goal was not to get involved in the game itself, and that's been successful. Um, our average game times ended up last year at two hours and 42 minutes, uh, which we feel is uh, we don't have any particular time as a goal, but that's kind of a sweet spot, we think. Now, it's been interesting this year. I don't know if you've uh, spoken with your fans about the uh, use of the Major League Baseball, and we're learning some differences between that ball and the ball that's been used uh, here in the past and continues to be used at lower classifications. Uh, Seems to carry a little bit further, seems to jump off the bat a little bit more. Uh, We're seeing more offense in the games, um, and as a result of that, our game times have gone back up. Uh, So uh, it's been a little bit of a give and take in some of those fronts. And I think that you bring up the baseballs, that has been a nice change, not only for fans to see more offense, but I think for the players too. They want to be as ready as they can be when they go to the majors. And now if you're a pitcher, you know the, the, the feel, the grip, the, and the exact same ball that you'll be using in Toronto, you're using here in Buffalo first. Well, and that was, uh, this was a mandate that came out of the commissioner's office. There wasn't any uh, vote on this, uh, but that was the motivation behind it. Uh, you know, if it's what they're going to be using at the major league level, why not have it being used here? So uh, that's that's where we are. We're just a couple of months away, but less than two months away now from the AAA All-Star Game that will be coming up in El Paso. What kind of preparations do, does the International League, uh, ahead of the, the fan vote and, and some of the uh, the votes that the, the media will have, what kind of things do you have to get ready to go to El Paso? Well, uh, in those years where the Pacific Coast League hosts the game, our office has much less to do, quite honestly. Uh, so... Uh, Thus far, there has not been a lot of effort. We're in the process of developing our field staff that will manage and coach that game. Uh, We're also, uh, the online fan voting will actually begin here yet this month. So that's not too far away. There will be an announcement on that coming out in the not too distant future. 
Uh, but the Pacific Coast League and the El Paso clubs are the ones that are really carrying the load this year. Uh, but things will ratchet up as we get a little bit closer. And then next year when it comes back here, we'll be uh, in Scranton for that game. So uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be the ones on the front line at that point. I know it's been a great partnership with MLB Network, and the game has been broadcast there. So it's nice that fans can vote now and then come July, watch the game live. They can, and I think they'll enjoy it, especially fans from this league who don't know about that ballpark out there. It's a very, very nice ballpark and one that shows very well on television. We played the national championship game out there a few years ago. So, uh, yes, hopefully uh, Bison's fans will tune in there uh, uh, on MLB Network and check it out. And the AAA National Championship also had a couple exciting announcements recently. Can you fill the fans in on both of those? Sure. We've got a new uh, a new title sponsor for that event, Ephesus Sports Lighting, which is a new LED lighting company. Actually uh, got its uh, start in Syracuse. Uh, and still it's owned by Eaton Corporation uh, with a big presence in Syracuse. Uh, and then we've just recently announced as well that we'll have a new national television partner in Fox Sports, and the game will air on Fox Sports 1. Where, uh, we've already uh, locked up our same uh, announced crew. We'll have George Grand doing the play-by-play and Jim Cott uh, doing the colors. So we're very pleased with the way that's developing. We're looking forward to seeing who takes part in that game come September. Just a couple more moments with League President Randy Mobley here on Countdown to Bison's Baseball. Just a couple of years away from a little bit of a change here in the Northern Division where Pawtucket will be moving into, into Worcester, Mass. How are things progressing along on that front? Well, the, the Worcester community, both from an individual standpoint as well as the business community, just continues to be unbelievably supportive there. So... Uh, they're preparing. They have not yet announced a groundbreaking date, but that will be coming up here soon uh, in Worcester. Uh, so plans are, are going along. Uh, Dan Ray and his staff are working hard with the, the architects and uh, everybody else, the developers and everybody else involved uh, designing. And uh, it won't be long before there will be a shovel in the ground. But, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're trying uh, very hard to, to, to go out with a flurry in Pawtucket this year and next. Uh, but it will be exciting to get into what is going to be another fabulous ballpark for the league. Yeah, I can't wait to visit there in, in the next couple of years. Randy, thanks for your time today, and uh, hope to see you again very soon. Well, I'm sure we will. I look forward to seeing you on the road, and uh, thanks for having me. Our thanks once again to the International League president for joining us, and we hope to catch up with him when we are in Columbus in the month of August. That'll put a wraps on the Power Alley podcast for this month. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll catch up with you again in July as the Bisons will head towards the All-Star break. We'll recap June when we join you next time in the Power Alley. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Pat Malacaro.